Hey there, I'm Everett. I'm Baron. And welcome to Bro, Bro Have, Have You Seen? Hello, bro, and welcome. Ah, oh, hey, bro. Welcome back to another episode. Yes. This is a big one. It is. This is monumental. It's massive. Especially uh, for me. Yes. But also for you, I guess, because... And for the show. Yes. <laughs> yes. As a whole. This is the moment that we've all been waiting for. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. This, <laughs> I mean, yeah. What else can you say? Uh, obviously, whoever's listening to this has seen the title. Uh, so I'm not going to try and hide anything away, but I'll, I have a... Um, a little bit longer uh, setup than I normally do, but uh, I'll just go right into it. Right. Uh, so there's not, uh, there is a lot to cover in a movie that I hold so dearly. Uh, in truth, this film is loved so dearly by so many people that it seems like every road has been well traveled, from the iconic opening songs all the way through twist after chronology and genre melding turn to the subversive anticlimactic Mexican standoff at the end. This movie is easily recognizable in many ways. Not only was it impactful in its influence over other movies, but also in the way we understand and view pop culture. And the first time I saw this, I was in complete awe, and I'd never seen anything like it. Uh, in fact, when they do that freeze frame at the beginning, and the music cuts in, and the title just scrolls up the screen, I was actually laughing the first time I saw the movie. Yeah. It was just so awesome. Anyway... Um, on my personal list of favorite films of all time, rewatchability factors in greatly, and 99% of this movie has held up to the dozens of viewings I've had of it. I know the dialogue and the soundtrack backwards and forwards. I've even been known to turn this movie on while driving and listen to the audio, and without even looking at the screen, because to be safe, uh, I could imagine each shot and scene so vividly that I might as well be watching it. Now, I know what you're thinking. This movie is stereotypically the number one pick by the film bro who has a poster of Fight Club in his dorm room and thinks <laughs> The Dark Knight is the greatest film of all time. However, I think I've proven on this podcast that my range of and taste in movies is more eclectic and less shallow than that. Maybe that makes me even more of a film bro? <laughs> who knows? After a certain point, I stopped trying to defend it because I just love this movie so much and I can't wait until the next time I get to pop the Blu-ray back in even if the last time was five minutes ago. <laughs> Without further ado, this is Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Alright, dude, that was nice. Sweet. Good intro. Good writing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm pretty stoked. Um... We watched this not too long ago, and I, I was also excited to watch it again. It's only been maybe a month, and I said right after it was over, like, I kind of was itching to watch it again, <laughs> and I don't know if I would have followed through on that as soon as I did if we didn't do a proper episode. Yep. So I'm, I'm good. Wait, what? I'm glad <laughs> oh, cool. that we're here. <laughs> but yeah. I'm also good. I'm, I'm doing good, but... <laughs> yeah, it's cool, because it's one of those movies that you hear so much about, Especially like from your older brother who loves it so much, and oh weird, really? <laughs> it's just one of those classic ones that you don't really understand until you see it. Honestly, this was one of the first like big kind of movies that I ever watched. Um, 
past like seeing stuff that my parents showed me or whatever um and i didn't know anything about it i just knew the name was famous and so i like found it on netflix and i watched it um back in like yeah probably like late middle school early high school it's a little days. different situation than me a lot yeah. different <laughs> yeah um and so like you know it just like totally blew me away it was something i'd never expected um and you're right it's infectious like it's something that you know can't get out of your head you want to watch it again and think about sure. it and just talk about it quote the lines i quote the lines Dude, it's all crazy. the time it's crazy i mean it's hard to quote it without any language of course but, yeah which you know this is a clean podcast but um uh it's funny when we talked a little bit off air uh, I could actually, like, quote the lines and, like, remember dialogue. Like, I can usually never, like, you can attest to my inability of quoting. Like, I always forget stuff. Maybe it's because I literally just finished the movie, like, half an hour before we started talking. But, like, mm. I can remember a lot of the di- a lot of the dialogue. It That's just true. sticks in your head, like, the way they say it and the delivery and just, man, yeah. We'll get into a lot Definitely. of that kind of stuff. But Definitely. And uh, I, I kind of want to do just, I mean... I know enough about this that I can kind of just freeform it and just kind of go off whatever you want to talk about based on this, but I kind of also just want to do it right. Uh, so I kind of have some simple uh, beats to cover in this uh, review conversation. Uh, and the first thing actually is dialogue. Um, and then we can move on to like the characters, talk about like the story and the director um, and the genres plural <laughs> and then maybe at the end we'll just wrap up with some trivia some details yeah. um, a lot of little gotta things try and here. keep this interesting because this is like you said it's a well trodden path uh, it seems like everyone and their dog has made a podcast episode talking about this movie yeah so we got to bring something to the table yeah i think i did see a video by someone's dog <laughs> <laughs> wow i've seen like every video about this movie every interview from tarantino yeah. like he's he's my favorite director i think um i don't think he's necessarily the best but again like he's uh he's definitely my favorite or at least one of my favorites you know up there with Kubrick and the Coen brothers Wes Anderson yeah, David Fincher like those guys that just I've always watched movies from even someone like Greta Gerwig now yeah. only made two movies but she's up there for me and like Sofia Coppola or you know um I don't know there's probably some other foreign directors that I'm not thinking of right off the top of my head but uh Tarantino has always been you know my favorite and uh this movie uh might be his best so dang um yeah i know a lot about it and i've seen it so many times like i said so i kind of just want to get your thoughts um mm-hmm. what did you think about the movie as a whole and then we can get into some dialogue things that yeah you liked. so uh like i mentioned we watched this not too long ago and we we brought that up on the podcast too when we had watched it and we talked about that i had seen it finally um had a really really good reaction to it uh the expectations were so 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 high like Mm -hmm. just knowing a lot about it but really it kind of proves a point that i have a theory that uh as much as you can know about a movie or like seeing different scenes or different stills or like hearing about behind the scenes it doesn't compare to actually seeing it all play out as one movie in a cohesive way Mm -hmm. so like even though i've seen like the dance scene like heard about weird behind the scenes stuff like some of the stuff i heard about was totally totally crap like (laughs) it didn't really make any sense why people said that about it like they thought what they were telling me was like a really big spoiler but it's really not that what i thought was such a spoiler wasn't that big of a deal Mm. but it's so crazy how 
even though my expectations were so high and I knew like a good amount of stuff going in, I was still so surprised and had such a great reaction. Uh, yeah. Some of the scenes are so tense, and I literally jumped out of the seat uh, <laughs> while I was watching it. And it's so, so funny, too, which I yeah. wasn't really expecting. I don't think, like, I didn't think it was going to be that funny. But, yeah, I think And Tarantino, watching it the second time is hilarious. Yeah, Tarantino always refers to his movies as comedies, even though they're pretty violent and they're pretty hardcore at times. Uh, they're, they're crime thrillers, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day. But there's a, so much humor in them that you can't help but think that they're comedies. Yeah, it's mostly, like, absurd, too. Like, just very, very interesting scenarios. And Oh, man, I just shot Marvin in the face. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I, like, I was, that scene today, I was busting out laughing. So I was like, (laughs) what movie ever does this? Like, what movie some gangster accidentally shoots the guy? And then he's like, well, I don't know. Just went off and must hit a bump. I didn't hit a bump. Like, (laughs) like, it's just so absurd. this car off the road. (laughs) This could just be us quoting it I was just dying, like, oh. (laughs) But it won't be. So... Yeah, that was so good. Um, another thing I should mention is, like, I've literally only seen this from Tarantino, and mm. so that's, like, where we differ, of course, is, like, you've seen every one of his movies, pretty much, I mean. Yeah, every, like that every one theatrically yeah. released movie. That <laughs> so, like, it's di- a very different perspective, um, but yeah. I am very excited to learn some new stuff, and I think I have a couple things that are kind of interesting, and kind of just throw stuff out there as we go along, but... Nice. Yeah, it it was definitely a joy for a big fan of the movie to watch this with you for the first time and show it to you, and, like, half the time I was just kind of watching your reactions. (laughs) Dude, Uh, I remember just smiling, like, (laughs) when the first shot and, like, the whole, like, couple first scenes, I was just, like, I couldn't get a smile from it. It's like, I don't even know why I'm smiling, and then, like, it's so funny. It's just kind of one of those things, and, again, like, I don't think this is one of the most profound pieces of cinema ever, um, but the way that it changed a lot of stuff, which people know better than I do, I, don't, I won't really go into how much this, you know, changed the culture or um, changed the way movies are made, but it's pretty obvious that throughout the mid to late 90s that a lot of this type of movie were being made, and I actually like a lot of them. This was kind of my jumping off point, like mm-hmm. I said, um, so I felt like it was fitting for this to be your first entry into his right. filmography. Uh, after this, I might go Reservoir Dogs and then something like Kill Bill after that, or maybe Jackie Brown. But mm. I think Jackie Brown, I think, should come later just because it's so different and uh, it kind of, you know, it, it's it's a different move for his career that doesn't necessarily fit into the rest of his work, um, but is nonetheless great. And so, yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. again, those are other movies that yeah, we might talk about later and you might uh, hopefully see pretty soon. Um, yeah, I think the one that I kind of am, have been gravitating towards is Kill Bill, and I've told you about that. Like, that's yeah. just kind of the next one that, like, interests me the most. Like, I want to see all of them, but that one I kind of just kind of want to watch. But um, yeah. if I had, like, a time travel machine, I think one of the things that would be sick to do is go back to, like, when this was theatrically released for the first time. And, like, because there's just no way... Like, there's people that have talked about this, all the anecdotes I've heard about, like, how fresh this movie felt in the mid-90s, just Mm -hmm. how, like, groundbreaking and, like, you know, the whole thing about how it was supposedly going to get, like, an NC-17 rating and just, like, how provocative it was and, like, Mm -hmm. just the things Tarantino was doing at the time, like, just, uh, it would just be so cool to see this with a fresh, like, right, like, without knowing that he went on to direct tons of other stuff and, like, all the 
actors are big famous people now like there's so many interesting things that would be cool to it's true see this in it's like original naive form back in the day but yeah yeah and it's i can't remember who said this quote so forgive me if i misquote him or her or you know say it wrong or whatever but uh they said that if they had a time machine they would go back to or if they had one wish or something that they would go back to the first time they I think it was they read their favorite book for the first time or the first yeah. or like they would go back to the time they saw their favorite movie for the first time and uh I feel like that's probably what I would want to do uh with this movie just go back to a time before I had ever seen it and yeah. get to relive watching this for the first time um, that would be quite the experience and <laughs> one of the things I do know pretty well about what this movie did change in terms of at least Hollywood is that like film nerds like you and me, we, uh, we care a lot about directors. We talk a lot about directors on the show and most of the time we know who directed a film. Like if we don't, it's kind of weird, I think. Yeah. Like, that's true. Oh, I don't know who directed that actually. Um, and with this movie, this was like, I think the best equivalent, and even still, it's probably not fair to compare the two, um, just culturally, is Parasite from last year. Just the fact that it skyrocketed this movie so high into the cultural zeitgeist, and the director became an instant rock star, and he's just like out there like, I directed this movie. Like, it wasn't the stars of the movie, it wasn't even like, you know, anything else. It was... Quentin Tarantino's movie, 100%. And uh, I guess with Parasite, it's not really the same. Like, obviously, that's Bong Joon-ho's movie, 100%. But uh, the cultural zeitgeist thing was a little bit different in some yeah, ways. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. But it was just, like, this monumental uh, film that, like, everybody knew about, everybody heard about. It was sweeping all the awards. It won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, which Parasite also yeah, did. Crazy. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't win Best Picture at the time. <sighs> Forrest Gump. Dang, stupid <laughs> Forrest Gump. But, uh, yeah, so that was one thing that uh, really did change. And now I feel like in Hollywood, you know, you have a lot of directors and it seems like the public conscious kind of knows who they are, at least the bigger name. Yeah, ones. it seems like what what you're explaining is that this movie kind of uh, moved the curtain or whatnot, the saying, the exposed people to like, oh, a person directs a movie, like writes yeah. and directs a movie. Yeah. And that's kind of like a thing that, like you said, people that don't watch a lot of movies or aren't kind of in those circles, maybe they wouldn't think about, which is weird to think that people don't know, but it's yeah. pretty normal, like, for people to go see a movie and. It's true. And not, I think. Not really know some of the. I think it's not totally fair to say, in terms, like, I was just reminded of like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas that's true who were big names in their day which it's still kind of Spielberg's day it's always but like Spielberg's the, day, but the yeah. crux of the thing is that like Tarantino's like a true auteur like yeah he's, he's more making, of an indie he's independent yeah, yeah it's independent movies making yeah. a big splash it's true and Spielberg and, like, rarely wrote his pretty scripts, low budget so. like I think this was made for like eight million bucks and it made like hundred million so yeah just like huge splash of course um yeah which thanks a lot in part to bruce willis's participation in the movie he was a large chunk of the budget but that was because you know he still had a wide draw overseas and that actually did help the movie uh just having his name attached um and he he does a great job in this movie i really like bruce willis um but yeah we could get more specific on the dialogue and things 
uh, what were some of your favorite moments of dialogue or what, what things do you have okay. to say about that? Yeah, so I was telling you about a scene earlier, um, the dinner scene between Vincent and Mia. Yes. And that's, that, that story is probably one of my favorites out of them. I said that last time. This rewatch, I really did love the Jules and Vincent stuff. I thought that was really fun. But the first time, and still, like, I really did do love the stuff with Vincent and Mia. Yeah. Like, the whole date, or it's a, not a date, but, you know, <laughs> it's like taking your, uh, anyways, never mind. It's like taking your buddy's <laughs> wife out to a movie or something. Yeah. It's just yeah. good company, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, that interaction was really funny, and just, like, them sitting at the dinner table, and uh, their little back-and-forth dialogue is really fun. The way that... Um, I'm, name is escaping me. Travolta. Yeah, uh, Vincent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The way Travolta says his lines of explaining the different options of what the foot massage, like what happened, like yeah. the way that he like touches his nose and like his just mannerisms are just like so perfect how he lays those lines down. Yeah. I just love that, that those little tiny nuances. It's yeah. so, It's so actually a good performance in that moment. Sometimes I think he gets some undue discredit for his role or at least his performance in the movie. And, yeah, there are certain scenes where I'm like, this guy's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> but that scene really does, it shows a lot, because obviously he's, like, timid to say something to her, doesn't want to offend her, like he said. Yeah. But also, like, he thinks it's kind of funny that yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like, not willing to admit what happened. But also, he doesn't really know, so it's kind of this funny, like... And he's high, so. Super awkward interaction, but he's just going for it anyway. And so funny. the way he says it, it, you're right, it's really great. And that's one of those moments that I always gravitate towards in this movie, the stuff that um, it seems like some people don't necessarily, like most people don't uh, care so much about. Like everybody talks about the burger stuff in the car, you know, the Royale with cheese or... You know, uh, Jules' famous scripture quote. Yeah, those are good, but I don't... That's not like the main things for me, really. Yeah, I always love that moment and even though it's kind of like an underrated little moment with Vincent and Mia even like with Vincent and Mia's storyline like there's obviously the dance scene and that's yeah iconic. so <laughs> massively in the culture still and that's the one scene I always knew like I said yeah I always knew that scene that's like the one thing I knew <laughs> yeah and of course the part where she like ODs and gets the shot of adrenaline and all that crazy super tense moment uh but yeah, I really love that. And then we were talking earlier as well about my other favorite, which is when Jules is talking with the dudes in the apartment and like Brett and all those guys and Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> yeah. Who like, and he just masters the room. He's just commanding everything. He's in control. He's intimidating. And he's so creative in his intimidation. Uh, I think there's probably some movie references and things that Tarantino used in that. Uh, scene, but the way that he flips the table and says, do you speak English? And like, what country are you from? And all these things, like the guy has no clue what he's, where he's going with this. Yeah. And he's so confused. That's why he keeps saying what, and the audience is a similar thing. Like what, why is he asking, like describe what he looks like and what country are you from? You speak English and what? I've never heard of a country called what? And so like, that's just, it's so clever and creative and and the fact that they cut that scene in half too, like, true. Sure. Uh, it's it's really interesting from a chronology standpoint. But yeah, the dialogue is so great. It's natural. 
but it feels highly stylized. Like, it's not how exactly. people actually talk in real life, but... But it's totally how the characters talk. Like, yeah, I totally believe that that's, like, what they're like. If yeah, I was to meet exactly. this person, they talk like this, and that's what they say. Like, exactly. And that goes so back to kind of Tarantino's writing style, just how he... I mean, he'll go back to, like, he knows what Jules did as a kid and, like, random details that never have an effect on the movie, but it has an effect on his understanding of the yeah. character that he created. So it's kind of interesting uh, in that way. But um, I forgot what I was going to say. <sighs> yeah, it's a good movie. I've got some thoughts about dialogue while, while we're still here. Nice. Um, there's like the thing that I like the most about the dialogue is that stylized aspect. It's just there's something about it that feels so different. Just yeah. I think one of the main things that I noticed on the second viewing was just like the unique synonyms and words that he would use to substitute for other things that normal people would say. Yeah. Like Mia says, I'll be there in two licks of a lamb's tail. Like shakes of a lamb's tail. Yeah, like that's so random, but like it's so <laughs> cool and so good. Like yeah. and the way she says that too is like super awesome. But yeah. um Um yeah, and then, like, when Jules says, like, correctamundo, like, just, like, weird, like, he says, like, weird, like, little sayings and phrases and has all these little yeah. quirks, like, all the characters do. They're so interesting, and they're, the writing is, like, just those weird synonyms and weird yeah. phrases. Yeah, and obviously there's the elephant in the room of Jimmy, the character, yeah. uh, played by Tarantino himself, who obviously uh, is a controversial character. He uses the N-word just flippantly and you know it's like doesn't hold up very well um even his acting and like yeah it's almost to a point where you could almost forgive like the actual words he's saying if he could deliver them well but he can't so it's even worse and yeah but anyway i i really like the moment that jimmy so they're with the wolf and they've been washed down, and they put on the new clothes. Yeah, I like I like this. And one too. he puts and he asks Jimmy, "What do these two guys look like?" And he just says, "Dorks." <laughs> yeah. They look like a couple of dorks. And then and he just starts so, chuckling, and it's yeah, so funny. It's so great because, like, at least for me, I was expecting him to say something like you said, like something random or like something that no, most people don't say. Yeah. But he just says dorks. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's the most correct word he could have used, and it's so True. normal and natural. Um, I remembered what it was that I was going to say is that the dialogue, it's like in this weird middle ground because it's not how normal people talk, but it's also not how movie characters talk. Definitely not. True. And so it's this weird middle ground. It's like, this is where people get the Tarantino verse from. Like, this is just his own universe. It's his own world. And it's just different from everything else. Like, there's nothing that compares to it, really. Uh, As many uh, iterations or influences that it had. But yeah, um, I guess going back to, to the characters who are speaking these lines and yes. <laughs> so well written and created, um, what were some of your favorite characters? Who was like your favorite character, do you Ooh. think? Ooh, man. First of all, okay, while I'm still kind of thinking of that in the back of my head, I've kind of like a second pick that's really underrated, really okay. random. Is it? It's, uh, I think her name's Raquel. Oh yeah, at the car place, Raquel's dude. Funny. She's hilarious. She like, only has like two lines. It's so though. funny. Like when uh, Wolf is like, "Say good night," or "Say good night, Raquel," or whatever. She's like, "Good night, Raquel." Like, <laughs> that's like all she says. Yeah. And, like then the weird thing, like when they get in the car and he's like, "See these young people, they have respect." Or she's like, "I have respect." Or like, <laughs> "I have character." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have character. Yeah, of course you are um, a character. 
Yeah, she's just so weird. It just has, like, this funny smile on her face. Like, I just... Yeah. She cracks me up. I don't it's know funny. why. Yeah, uh, she's, like, one of the smallest roles in the movie. Yeah, but. it's pretty funny. Okay, but... Really. <laughs> okay. Hmm, hmm. I don't know, man. That's hard. It might be... It might be... <laughs> Okay, I'm just gonna go Vincent. I'm just gonna go with okay, that. Vincent. All right, cool. I'm gonna say Vincent's probably my favorite character. Why? Like, with that we talked moment, about the, the with scene, that moment, yeah. that that's one of my favorite moments of the movie. And like, he just has the funniest little mannerisms. He just feels like this total like his head in the clouds stoner guy like the yeah. whole time. And he's like, just like, oh, I don't know. He's got this funny because like I don't know. John Travolta is just typically known as this like dumb guy like i don't know it kind of seems like the roles he plays are kind of crappy pretty movies cheesy, yeah. pretty cheesy stuff but i don't know he's just so perfect in this movie and like kind of contrasting all the crazy stuff that's going yeah. on and all the violence and, and his long greasy hair yeah and... it's just, oh man it's so funny yeah it's pretty i like him it's a lot pretty classic uh i'm trying to there was a moment with vincent that i really liked but uh i forgot it anyway. is it the one in the house when he's trying to find the intercom and he's like standing there in the middle of the room that is funny. all dorky and that's become a meme that yeah. that gif where he's like looking <laughs> <So> around <laughs> but yeah um okay vincent that's cool i mean obviously the pick for me would be jules because yeah. sam jackson is the best his voice is so iconic it, he's like probably topping morgan freeman now is like yeah. just iconic african-american guy actor voice like you know it's him and no one else can do what he can do with his voice true. Uh, I was watching Do the Right Thing recently and he's in that as the radio host and he's like using all these crazy words and just like super chill dude and I was like yeah Sam Jackson what a what a cool guy uh, but I think without doing like the main character of the movie I'll try and pick another underrated maybe kind of one I've always loved the wolf Winston Wolf played by Harvey Keitel just the way that he speaks really sharply yeah. and very quickly. And I'm not here to say please. I'm here to tell you what to do. If I'm curt with you, it's because time is a factor. Yeah. <laughs> I think fast. I talk fast. I expect you to act. I need you guys to act fast if you want to get out of this. Just like the way that he... Or the, or he says the line... I, like The way that this sentence is structured has always interested me. Where he says, Okay, there's a, there's a corpse in the... No, there's a... There's a corpse oh. minus the head. No, there's a... Oh. Dang. Okay, I forgot the line, but yeah. He's like, there's a corpse in the car minus a head in the garage. Take me to it. That's yeah. what he says. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wait, hang on. <laughs> Carry the two. Okay, I got it. Uh, he, he talks fast, it's true. And so I like that about him. Um, I mean, I like so many of the characters. I've always liked Marcellus. There's the classic scene yeah, after, after the gruesome gruesomeness uh <laughs> one of the one of the least held up parts of the movie as well but you know it, it's extreme violence and stuff so like i can forgive it. it's in a movie um but he's talking about like butch has this like wild look on his face Dude, still his face is crazy and marcellus is standing there and he's like hey are you okay and he's like no nah, man <laughs> pretty effing far from okay <laughs> just Oh man, that that, that whole, whole delivery. Yeah, like he says a few lines after that. Uh, I'm gonna get medieval on you. <laughs> all this stuff. It's so good. 
so I, I I would say Marcellus and the Wolf. Nice. Two like side characters, but nonetheless great. I love those guys. Um, Solid. Cool. Um, That's the other thing about the movie is just like all the characters are pretty well rounded out and have so many little quirks. Yeah. Like there's so much like, to dive into with like all the characters. Lance. Lance is so funny. Yeah, Lance is awesome, dude. Uh, dude, and the the one scene when they're giving the adrenaline shot, there's the girl sitting in the back just still, like, smoking her yeah. bong. Yeah. Like, the whole time, just, like, not even looking at what's <laughs> happening, but just, like, staring straight down. Like, I thought that was hilarious. Classic Trudy. Yeah. Oh, man. And yeah. then, uh, Fabiona is pretty good. I, like I kind of like her more, like, yeah, the more I watch it. Yeah, she kind of grows on you. It's yeah. kind of interesting. Like, I've heard people say, yeah, like, when you're younger, you really like the... Vincent and Jules stuff and then you get a little bit older and you like the Vincent and Mia stuff yeah. and then you, you know you've really made it when you really like the Butch stuff the best it's like Butch's storyline is the best and I think uh, yeah that scene with him and Fabian she's talking about the pot belly yeah. and all that like it's so good um, It it's kind of weird like that's one of the things I talked about in my intro is just like the genre melding of this movie like okay it's a movie about Hitman oh, wait, no, it's a movie about a boxer. No, wait, it's a 50s movie with they're in a diner and they're singing, like, Chuck Berry is on the radio and yeah. stuff. Like, and then, oh, no, it's it's a boxing movie or, like, it's a love kind of romance uh, movie between this, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. They're going on the run. It's like there's so many different... Yeah, it's crazy. ...moods at play, and they all kind of work together, even though, you know, that scene in the hotel room probably doesn't, like, fit as well together as some of the other stuff. But I think I still think it's uh, pretty. No, the great. one scene that's weird is the one with the cab driver and Butch when he's yeah. leaving. That's a that's I always forget about that scene. I totally forgot that that's it was Esmeralda like, Villalobos. Yeah, that she she could be another good pick. She's pretty good. She's great. Apparently, there was a thirty minute movie with her in it called Curdled, mm. and Tarantino liked it so much that he made the character about this woman who's obsessed with death like her character is in the movie oh, nice. in, in Curdled and but he made her a cab driver instead but he cast the same woman who's in Curdled and then he went on to produce like the worldwide rights or something to that movie nice. so like it's kind of something that he does he did it with uh, Bong Joon-ho back in the day you know he would help produce um, you know get the rights more widely known uh, another another link between the two. Nice. Two guys, <laughs> Director Bong and QT. <laughs> but yeah, um, great characters. There's so many of them, and they're all interesting in their own ways. Um, and the way that he plays with the actors, like you, you kind of hinted at earlier, just, you know, John Travolta's car- uh, career was pretty much gone. He was super big in the 70s and 80s, and then just nothing mm. after for a while. And now he's pretty much back to nothing. He's kind of trying to do the Nick Cage thing now, or yeah. he's just in bad movies on purpose. But Nick Cage is so much better. He's got yeah, the Cage dude. rage. Yeah, dude. Cage rage is the real. It's, it's good. <laughs> but yeah, so John Travolta's part in the movie was great, and um, even like we talked about uh, Bruce Willis, he he wasn't really a um, a big. He wasn't really in that well received movies at, for a while at that point. Really, I mean, he was by in, then he he'd been in the, like Die Hard and like that was in big. the eighties though. He was in some crappy Die Hard sequels in the early nineties, and like, but like I said, he was still a big box office draw overseas. 
even though you know critics didn't like his movies and audiences really didn't like them that much um and he's he's pretty much a big jerk too like he's notoriously difficult to work with but yeah that's another one um and ving rames ving rames was pretty big in the 90s though with mission impossible and some other things uh, <laughs> i don't know who that is <laughs> he plays marcellus oh yeah okay i know who he is oh yeah. he's in mission impossible yeah i thought he's in expendables he might be. But that's, like, kind of a rip-off of Mission Impossible in a way. <laughs> kind of, yeah. But, uh, but Uma Thurman was just starting out kind of yeah, at this time. Yeah, that's interesting, too. And she and Quentin Tarantino have had a long history together. It's been a little rocky at times, but they've always been pretty close. He, I think he called her his muse back in the day. Cause, you know, <laughs> she, was, uh, she was the one that he loved, and uh, he put her in a bunch of his movies and stuff. But she's really great in this. I like her in this movie. And Fall Out Boy made a song about oh, yeah. her yeah. in this movie. So Nice. I yeah. do remember that now, yeah. Alright, uh I'm trying to think if there's any other cool things that we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude, this movie is just so there's so much to unpack, it's like you can't really we're never gonna be able to really finish. It's just going to be too much stuff we never actually talked about. <laughs> it's true. What are a couple of, like, details that you know about the mm. movie or the production or just any, like, random trivia or something? Okay. Yeah, I've got one uh, sort of interesting one. Um, when Sam Jackson ha- uh, is, well, I guess it's Jules, in the final scene at the diner, he says, Mr. 9mm here. And people thought that it wasn't actually nine millimeter, but it was a. Uh, is it a forty-five? Forty-five. People thought it was a forty-five, but it is a nine millimeter because gun people in movies, the armors, preferred nine millimeters because the blanks didn't jam. So he's actually right, and it is a nine millimeter pistol. Sweet. So that's like a really weird trivia thing. I yeah, heard that I on think, uh, Adam Savage. I think that. I heard that how it's it's like a retrofitted. Uh, like that gun is usually a forty-five, right? Yeah. But they like made it a specific one or something that actually was a nine millimeter, mm-hmm. even though it's like identical to the forty-fives. But yeah, yeah that was an thing. interesting prop detail. Classic uh, Baron on the props. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of uh, some props, uh, they're actually so the scene where they stab the needle. Uh, into ah, yes. Mia, that shot was filmed backwards, of course. Yeah, classic. Um, and so they actually just pulled the needle out of her chest and then played it backwards. Uh, pretty typical stuff. That that was one thing that a lot of people know about. Uh, one thing that maybe some people don't know about is Christopher Walken's small role in the movie. Ah. Okay, he's the guy, Captain Coons, who delivers the speech to young Butch about the gold watch. He kind of gives it its importance, and then it makes sense for the rest of the uh, story why he's so obsessed with getting this back. Um, So Christopher Walken, it's a long monologue, and he did a lot of it in like a long single take. Um, But in between takes, he would take little sips of Tabasco sauce to kind of keep his mouth wet a little bit. But I think people on set were like, dude, this guy is crazy. He's drinking Tabasco sauce. Like, what's up with this guy? But yeah, he did it to like, 
keep his mouth wet and then he could you know give those speeches for a long time also i found out that there was a moment in his monologue that uh he actually forgot the next lines too and so he paused but then he like quickly remembered and so he like mm, kept going nice. and they just left it in that's another maybe director trademark you could call it where tarantino uh has actors who just kind of like keep going even though they make mistakes or things happen to them like there's a famous uh in Django Unchained with Leonardo DiCaprio you know he smashes this glass with his hand and he actually cut his hand up pretty bad like Leonardo DiCaprio did but he just kept acting and then he like had the idea to smear his blood on Carrie Washington's face and her reaction is so priceless and they just kept it because Leo is just going off probably his best performance in his whole career um right there i feel like a lot of stuff in this movie could come down to that like just some of the weird stuff yeah like little character quirks probably like just the actors like riffing and just you know going on whatever it's possible i mean that's like that's that's the whole thing about acting like you know i mean that's (laughs) that's true about acting is just like that's true but with someone who someone who babies his screenplays so much i have a hard time believing that uh he gave them much leeway it's probably true improv but yeah, yeah. Um, another little detail that I always like and I always look for is the first scene of the movie when uh, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny, Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer, are having their little conversation about robbing diners. Uh, you can see a brief moment of Vincent walking by to the yeah. bathroom. Uh, it's a tiny moment of foreshadowing that you wouldn't even know to even look in the background unless uh, you knew that he was there because then the last scene of the movie, they're back at the diner. Uh, this time between Jules and Vincent. So, yeah, that was a cool little detail. And then, obviously, the milkshake thing. Yeah. Um, there's references. There's references all over the movie. But oh, there's so many. The milkshake is really cool. He asks, this is Steve Buscemi, his little uncredited performance uh, as Buddy Holly, the waiter. And he asks if she wants her $5 milkshake, Martin and Lewis or Amos and Andy. So, obviously, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, those two were like, a pair of comedians or musicians or something at the time. I want to say comedians. Um, And they were two white guys. And then Amos and Andy, although they were played by white guys, it was like a radio show, but they were doing like black voices, quote unquote. So like that little aspect doesn't super hold up that well, but it was a super big deal at the the time. Um, And those two characters, Amos and Andy, were black guys so he's basically asking her if she wants her shake vanilla or chocolate and she takes vanilla so uh that's something that a lot of people who know a lot about the movie they already kind of know that but uh it's an interesting little tidbit and that's another thing like where they use weird instead of just asking do you want chocolate or vanilla like he creates this whole other like layer of like references and just like unique ways to ask things or say things like no one else does some like not a lot of other people at least would do that choice of dialogue it's true and it makes the moments that would be kind of boring not that boring yeah like okay they're ordering their food how could we make this interesting so mundane like yeah you could either not show it or you could spice up the dialogue a bit and make it kind of interesting to listen to while you're watching these things happen uh, and so that that was a cool little thing, but there's so much about it, so many references and influences and oh, man. There's weird hundreds. things. People know the Tarantino. That's, a, that's the thing about. is like we last night we were talking about the dance sequence and how uh, 
you know, is based on, like, so many different movies, but, like, Tarantino just, like, would take, like, five different movie dance scenes and then, like, meld them together to make something so unique and iconic. So he doesn't just take, like, rip something and then just say, oh, yeah, I came up with this. Yeah. He just takes all these influences that are in his head and then comes up with something that's unique and of his own, which is really cool. Which is kind of something that I, like... As good of a movie as Schindler's List is, I always get annoyed with the like the girl in the red coat thing uh, in that movie because it's such a clear ripoff from Don't Look Now uh, mm. that like and Spielberg seems like t- he takes all the credit for doing that, but I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's true. He's one of those like. I mean, Kanye West is one of my favorite artists, and he samples a lot of music, or he'll, like, mm-hmm. you know, borrow elements from other songs, but he creates them, or he combines them in a way that's uniquely his own at the end of the day, and, and yeah, like you said, there's the exact framing of the characters from eight and a half, and then there's the way that Jean-Luc Godard and his films, specifically Band Apart, uh, would just, the characters would just break out into a dance number, all of a sudden, and it would go on for a long time. Yeah. And even the way that he pans down to their feet while they're dancing and then goes back up, that's something that Godard did uh, in Band Apart. Also, uh, the long tracking shot in the hallways with mm-hmm. Jules and Vincent. I haven't seen Alphaville yet by Godard, but that's there's an mm. exact like pretty similar scene where they go up the elevator and walk through the hallways for like a minute. Nice. And it's kind of like the same type of thing, so... Yeah, that's a long. Yeah, so cool. That's a long I think shot. It's like a minute forty or scene. two minutes long with Jules and Vincent. Yeah, it's and so cool. Speaking of that moment, I love. This is one of the movies that made me first aware of what the director was doing behind the camera, um, because one of the things that I really love is how they come to the door of, of the room that the guys are in, and they look at the watch. Oh, it's not quite time yet. Let's hang back, yeah. and the camera just stays there, and it just follows like it just. It watches them go down the hall and they keep having their conversation. <laughs> it's almost like it's waiting, like, guys, yeah. come back. Like, this is where you need to be. And then they come right back to the camera. And that hole was like one shot. And I really like that choice where he didn't follow them down the hallway, which probably would have been kind of boring, even though, their com- back, like, even though their yeah. conversation was super interesting. But the fact that it chose to just like sit there at the door uh, was really clever. I liked that a lot. Um, yeah, just little things like that. And uh, one more little detail, and then we can wrap it up, uh, because I think it's a good way to close out this conversation, is um, uh, I watched a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff of the making of this movie, and specifically during the dance scene, um, it was behind the scenes, and they were they stopped for whatever reason, and they were talking about things, and Tarantino just says, Let's do it again, one more time. And he's like, why? And all of the cast and crew comes together and they say in unison with him, because we love making movies. (laughs) It's like they've done it a hundred times and like he wants to bring that kind of energy and joy. And it comes through in all his films. He just loves making movies. And I like a director who does that. And, you know... So... Yeah, I think uh, that can end our conversation, and uh, we'll come back maybe next time with some uh, what's entertaining us this week. This has already gone for almost 45 minutes. I guess we could uh, talk about 
Yeah, I don't have very many. Want a quick one? Yeah, I don't have very many, so we could do it. Yeah, sure. Um, I can go first. Just give me one second. Wanna... I've been watching a lot of 80s stuff. Do you want to do any, like, rate this out or any kind of... Oh, yeah, well, A+, plus. what do you... What do I oh, need? yeah, it's probably like half star. I mean, no, five stars. <laughs> yeah, five stars, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you got a good closer there, but uh, just say it's a, it's a great one. I'm glad we talked about it. So. Nice. It's in yeah. the archives, and also, I kind of said this in the beginning, but this is the sixth month mark of the show, so it's, it's a like it's a perfect, perfect, uh, yeah, anniversary, and one of your favorites, and yep, it's so. my number two favorite, I think. So I won't give away what my number one no, is, yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, right sweet. So now I can, I don't know. I just wanted some close, like a little bit of closure. Yeah. Not that I had to get the final <laughs> word, but I just felt like we were kind of jumping around. Yeah. Okay. Kay. So I watched a bunch of eighties movies. Uh, I am currently still watching a bunch of 80s movies, uh, not only to prepare for our 8 from the 80s episode oh. at the end of this month, oh, but... Oh, shoot, that's coming up. <laughs> but also because of, I've talked about a lot, that, you know, Film Spotting is doing uh, their Film Spotting Madness next year, and they released the list of movies from the 80s that they're going to be ranking and tournamenting against each other. Um, and so I'm preparing for that by watching... A bunch of 80s movies that I never saw. Um, movies like E.T., Blue Velvet. Um, I watched The Big Chill last night. That was pretty great. And so I won't give away, you know, how I feel about a lot of these movies because I don't know yet how they're going to mm-hmm. fill into my rankings. But I was kind of on a blockbuster Spielberg run because I never saw some of his biggest hits, uh, specifically Jurassic Park from 93. I remember seeing a lot of this movie as a kid. I've probably seen the entire thing, uh, but I just didn't remember it. Um, And I never looked at it with a critical eye before. So I wanted to do that, and super good movie. I really enjoyed it. I'm surprised at how much I'm liking these Spielberg movies. Yeah, Uh, it's kind of scary. I don't know. (laughs) I know. I'm going to the dark side. (laughs) I'm becoming one of them. No, but Jurassic Park is really good. It's fresh, it's original. Um, I decided to watch it partly because of Spielberg. You know, I, I watched E.T. like the day before, but also I watched Blue Velvet and I wanted to see more of Laura Dern's work. She recently won the Oscar for uh, Best Supporting Actress in Marriage Story this year. And, uh, you know, I wanted to go back and check out some of the stuff I hadn't seen her in. Uh, and so, yeah, it's highly entertaining. You know, it hits those typical beats of wonder and amazement uh, while also depicting some actually like really horrific stuff. I was surprised at how many, like, terrifying elements there were. And, you know, there's a guy who literally gets eaten by a dinosaur and you see it happen. Like, yeah. is this a kid's movie? That's pretty yeah. violent. No kidding. Another thing about Pulp Fiction that I'll bring up right now is that uh, it's it's pretty amazing that uh, the violence in Pulp Fiction, which gets talked about a lot, is very rarely ever shown yeah, on screen. Yeah, pretty much always off screen. <laughs> there's only one time that you see it actively happening, but it's the same moment but it was the sec like you know how I said they cut the scene in yeah. half, where Jules and Vince are shooting up the guy from the bathroom. You know they show True. that happening, but uh, that's like pretty much the only time. Yeah. Anyway, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get back on track here. You know, it's. Uh, I think the the message is like to respect, you know, the power of dinosaurs, the power of these big animals that we don't truly fully understand, and also just life in general 
uh, Jeff Goldblum's character in the movie is is a pretty uh, I don't know what to say he's a pretty sleazy guy I guess um, but he has a lot of interesting things to say and I think his voice is one of the major thematic you know entry points from the director mm. to the movie um, and you know what he says about you know life just finds a way uh, there's no even if you try to control all these different factors you know life is going to grow and it's going to expand and it's going to take its natural course and there's really nothing that mankind can do to stop it so I think that's kind of what Jurassic Park was all about amidst all the fun entertainment stuff that's also good so sweet all right well I actually I, I've, I rewatched a lot of stuff recently a Same. lot yeah um so I rewatched Parasite with some friends, and that was such a fun time. Uh, they had never seen it and didn't know anything about it, so of course it was going to be fun. Uh, and yeah, um, then you rewatched, well, you watched and then rewatched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. And so that kind of inspired me to rewatch it, and we had a pretty good conversation the other day about it. And that movie is so good. We're probably gonna have to do an episode on it because yes, that was oh. the one. By the way, that I didn't want to say anything about last time because I was only halfway through it when the time ah, right. when we recorded. Right. So, yeah. So rewatched that. I rewatched. Um. You know, along with those two peak movies, I watched uh, Fast Five. <laughs> nice. And the first, the Fast and the Furious, the first movie, and uh, those two are so good. Um, <laughs> the first one is way good and Fast Five is one of the best later movies yeah um yeah those are all my rewatches pretty much and then I watched Tomboy by Celine Sciamma so director of Portrait of Late on Fire and uh I don't really have very much like authority or really anything to say necessarily about it because it's something I really don't know much about is about like gender fluidity and different types of stuff around that which was, uh, you know, something I don't get a lot of. I don't really, like, follow a lot of that or listen or see a lot of that happening around me. Mm. Um, And so just this very unique... That's the cool thing about movies is being able to experience other people's lives and struggles um, that I wouldn't otherwise see their point of view. And so in that aspect, this movie is really eye-opening to see something like that. Uh, And it raised a lot of questions and... Uh, not not about my own self necessarily. I, not to get misconstrued, but about the subject matter and like how things are and how it would be to uh, be in that kind of situation, and if that does that justice without being too oversimplified. Um, so it was just really cool. I'm still kind of thinking about it and trying to, you know. Uh, anyways, I don't know where I'm necessarily going, but. It was really cool, uh, and still, uh, she's a great director. It's kind of like Greta Gerwig, almost, in my mind. Um, oh, yeah. Just someone that just is making really good films, but kind of started out with indie stuff. I mean, she, her first two or three movies are way more underground, but yeah. they're still really good and shows her, uh, her, her promise as a director. So I'm really excited to see what is coming in the future. Nice, yeah. So it's always good to go back to those directors that get all the buzz. Like, I'm really excited to watch more of Bong Joon-ho's earlier stuff. Yeah. Because it really helps you build the, like, okay, this is where they were when they started, and this is where they are now, and, like, seeing the progression and, you know, 
it's really cool. So it's kind of something I like to do, and that was a good movie to watch for that reason. Nice. Yeah, and on a side note, um, for our next episode, I also watched A Brighter Summer Day, ah, yes. which I was thinking about, and this is going to be the first time that we've discussed two movies. Dude, that's what I was going to... I was thinking about that this morning. Two movies by the same director, uh, each with their own full-length episode. Um, we talked about Yee Yee a couple months back, and I was hesitant to like it at first, but I changed my mind on it, and now I look back on it quite fondly, actually. Uh, excuse my voice, I'm a little recovering from some <laughs> cold that I had last weekend, but yeah. So we wa- I watched A Brighter Summer Day um, Sunday? All Saturday? four hours of it. All four <laughs> long hours. And we'll get to that next week, my actual oh, yeah. opinion about the movie and your uh, obvious uh, love for the movie, too. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. And as always, if you want to go back in time and listen to our earlier episodes, those can all be found at brohaveyouseen.captivate.fm. Yep. Uh, on Spotify as well as iTunes make sure you leave us a review and our email is brohaveyouseenpodcast at gmail.com or is it brohaveyouseen yeah brohaveyouseenpodcast at gmail.com so send us some feedback uh, maybe your favorite moments from Pulp Fiction and what you've been watching so yeah Looking, um, we're looking out for that. We might that? even we might even feature some of your feedback uh, oh, in the show. So yeah, yeah. There's an incentive for you. <laughs> um, yeah. And obviously, uh, each new episode, we're going to be actually changing the schedule a little bit. Uh, they'll be released on Monday mornings at 6 a.m. Maybe just in time for your week to start, your morning commute, or whatever you're going to be doing on Monday morning. So uh, that's Mountain Standard Time. It's where we're living. So that's uh, the time that we pick. Yes. And uh, if you want to see what else is entertaining me, like all these 80s movies, you can check out my letterbox at EverettClark236. Yep, and I'm on there at Barn Clark. Cool. See you next week, yep. bro. See ya. Yeah.